0: From Studios in Norwalk, Connecticut, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind the bots. I'm Kyle. And I'm Luke. And today on the podcast, we're previewing Motorama 2024 with NERC officer John Durand. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. Not for much longer on Google Play though, because they're getting rid of it April 4th. Follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support.
1: Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have two news items for you today. First up, catch live robot combat this weekend in Pennsylvania, Washington State, Minnesota, and the UK. In the UK, Bristol bot builders will be fighting beetleweights at St. Michael's Center in Bristol on Saturday. In Washington State, Olympia High School is running their second annual ant event this Saturday in Olympia, Washington. In Minnesota, Mirka is holding its first qualifying event of the season in partnership with the Robot Smashing League at the National Guard Armory in Hastings, Minnesota on Saturday. All that said, the big event this weekend is undoubtedly Motorama 2024, held at the Pennsylvania Farm Complex in Harrisburg. Well they'll be fighting fairyweights, antweights, beetleweights, 12 pounders, 30 pounders, and 30 pounds sportsman robots. Chris, Lindsay, potentially Kyle, and I will be at Motorama this weekend. So if you see us, feel free to say hi and ask for an autograph. If you're within driving distance of Harrisburg, it's a really fun, kind of weird experience and totally worth it for the Amish Hot Pockets alone. Kyle, I know that you're on the fence. Um are you like fifty-fifty? Are you like 80-50? I'm definitely fifty-fifty, yeah. Um,
0: I like, it's a long drive and I'm taking the kids to the circus on Sunday. So I've already got a big day planned for Sunday, but Saturday, I don't have any plans and I very well may just do the early drive out there. Maybe even bring one of the kiddos and check everything out and hang out for a little bit and then drive on back. You know, it's like you said, worth it for the hot pockets alone. Yeah. And, uh, I'm excited about the Roomba league this year. I'm not going to lie. The vacuum league is going to be a lot of fun.
1: It's it's weird to say like um you should go to a show that's several hours away from your house for the food, but um it's pretty good like the Pennsylvanians they really know like good hearty winter food it's uh it's worth it it's worth it um yeah I don't know like uh also if you want to see like a six year old with a mohawk like um just uh, pushing a, a competitive miniature dirt bike you know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's, a lot, of wow, that. there's like, a lot of that.
1: I'm never going to be as cool as this first grader, you know? Um, that's it's a good show for you to go to as well, you know? Like, uh, So that's that's great. Um, so yeah, hopefully hopefully, we'll see you at Monorama this weekend. And finally, an unsanctioned BattleBots video game teaser popped up out of the blue this week that copies the BattleBots and a number of popular heavyweights, including Fight Force, Franco, Tombstone, and others. Kyle, did you see this unsanctioned video game?
0: no but i'm glad this happened tell me more about this
1: uh so yeah it's made by this I, i'm assuming it's a one-person studio called blaster games um they've listed the still incomplete game battle rc on steam and asked fans to put it on their wish list less than a week after announcing the title blaster games issued a statement saying they were having trouble getting Battlebots to sign off writing quote BattleBots holds the final word, and although we have not yet received a statement from them, we know that if more people and teams start supporting the game, we might actually have a chance of getting an official game out to the awesome community of BattleBots. BattleBots that said, it has a history of protecting its intellectual property and has sued companies in the past for copyright infringement. My... <laughs> it's like... I don't know how far along in the like game development they are. Like, I would feel terrible if like somebody was sitting there for like a year building this game, just to get to the very end, put out their teaser. Okay, wow, we're gonna release in, like three or four weeks, and um, then start working on copyright stuff because um, that should have been like day one. Uh, I'm gonna the, go and- ahead
0: and I'm gonna go ahead and quote uh, our dear friend Greg, who was on this podcast when we said, "Hey, is a BattleBots game coming?" and he said, "Make one." Make one. We don't have the capacity to make one. one. If somebody makes one, we'll get behind it. So you know what? This guy made one.
1: You know what it is? It is make one, comma, pay me. Like, there's not just make one. (laughs) Make one, comma, pay me. Okay, like that's... Yeah, well,
0: there's there's parentheses and commas and fine print, I'm sure. But still, he said to do it, so I understand.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I... (laughs) I I'm, I'm looking forward to the generic uh <laughs> combat robotics game that's going to come out where it's a uh, red robot versus blue robot. Um yeah, I don't know. It's uh, combat robotics is like a weird sport to make a video game for because every single like combat robot you can think of has already been designed so somebody's gonna be like, "Oh, that looks like Bite Force." But yeah, of course it does. A lot of robots look like Bite Force. Yep. We got to make a Tombstone and uh what are you gonna call it like uh if if they don't get sign off from tubes i don't know it's it's a strange strange thing you're gonna call Uh,
0: it a grave marker
1: yeah there you go (laughs) I know. yeah Yeah, exactly okay good well blaster games best of luck i'm looking forward to uh to uh, seeing this game hopefully when it comes out and that's it for this week's news
0: After the break, our interview with John Durand.
2: This week on the podcast, we have a very special first-time guest, NERC officer and Motorama streaming producer, John Durand. We'll be diving into our interview with John. We'll we'll be covering the history of combat robotics inside of a motorsports event, inside of a... Cheesesteak Pretzel Convention Center. So thank you for joining us on Behind the Bots, John. Oh, thanks
3: for having me, guys. I love that introduction. And uh yeah, that'll definitely gonna be a topic to be covered today.
0: You know, I think that's very accurate. You go to Motorama for the robot combat. You might stay at that event because you're like, oh, there's all this cool motorsports stuff going on too but you definitely come back next year because of the Amish Hot Pockets. Absolutely. It's funny.
3: It's funny how that like is the most memorable thing for a lot of people is like, yo, do you have an Amish Hot Pocket, man? Yo, you got to try it out. It's like, I'm spoiled with that because we get it locally. Like I'm an hour away. I'm at the crossroads of Amish and the hood. And like we get the farmer's markets here with, Like the the, the
0: Amish Hot Pocket Sandwiches. It's awesome. That sounds amazing. Oh, man. (laughs) All right. So, John, I want to get like high level at first. okay? so what is NERC? What is Northeastern Robotics Club? So, Northeastern Robotics Club, it's funny.
3: We have kind of a before and where we are now. Um, Before, the Northeastern Robotics Club started off as a place for just anybody to come in you know, regionalized in the northeast area. It was very broad scoped. Uh, but to get everybody in at a very accessible space. Just didn't matter your skill level or nothing. It was, hey, we're putting on events. Come show up. We don't yep. care who you are. Let's 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 do it. Let's have fun. No frills. And the no frills is stuck. And the communal aspect is stuck. Um, but the the small events we just haven't done anymore. We're kind of just into the big event like Motorama now. But we still keep the DIY aspect. Um yep. we're very much grassroots. Um and that's I think the one thing that's been the overarching theme of Northeast Revival's Club over its existence so far is that we've always kind of been, I wouldn't say against the the norm, but more as the the steady alternative that's been out there to to the mainstream. Uh and it's not that we're any different from anybody, it's just that we stay so grass rooted DIY that. We we don't really navigate and trend towards the big
0: shiny objects out there. Yep. Very much so punk rock and the uh, implementation of this organization. Yes, absolutely. Um, all right. So, how did you get involved with the organization? Like, what introduced you to the organization and how did you become kind of an officer working with NERC? So, my first exposure to Northeast Advice
3: Club. Was through the old Delphi forums, uh, which was before Discord and Facebook groups, everything else. We all hung out on Delphi forums, which is now like the Yahoo equivalent of like every modern group that exists now out there. (laughs) Um, But that was that was where the watering hole was. I found out about it through BattleBots and you found all these splinter groups that were out there. And I found, oh, wow, I, I live near Philadelphia. Like this is where everybody's housed and I found them doing a demo at the Fort Washington Expo Center in 2002. And I was just getting started. I had built a prototype robot, and I got to hang out and meet people there. And that was my first exposure to NERC. And that led me to my first competition with them in 2002 at House of NERC, which was in the Philadelphia area there. And then getting started being involved like As a part of NERC, um, is was in two thousand and four when I started to help out at Motorama that year. uh, Which we that year we needed all hands on deck because we got a very large arena as a present from uh, Michael Fuzzy Malden, uh, who had recently closed down the Robot Club and Grill, out Mm -hmm. of Pittsburgh. So we were bestowed this wonderful gift of a twenty-four foot arena. And we had to get it from, uh, Jerry Clarkin from Sub-Zero's fame farm, <laughs> it, it, like store at a bar next to his house in Cotesville and get that on a moving truck out to Harrisburg and get everything assembled. So I was like, I'll volunteer. Hi, I'll, I'll, I'll be here. I'll do it. And then there's there, uh, after that, they're just like, you want to get involved, man? Cause we could totally use your help. Like you seem gung ho about it. And it's kind of the, uh, you know, Oh, you're here. You're hired. You know? Yeah. Uh, so that's how I started getting involved in the back end and started getting involved with the planning and organizing of a lot of the events. So I've done quite a bit of different roles over time there. I've done some EOing. Uh, I've done registration for Motorama. Uh, I've kind of put my hands
0: on a little bit of everything there over the years. And so back then, man, that's I always forget that. You guys used to do like 120-pound, 60-pound robots back in the day. For a short period of time. Um, yes. It was
3: a luxury. <laughs> yes. Uh, that we did we did lightweights the first year at motorama uh there was a talk about that of well do we want to do we want to try this since we're, we're starting this whole new event we had a 16 foot box at the time spent time reinforcing it to handle lightweights and that failed spectacularly we got one fight in that year for lightweights the first fight broke the box for that so we're like all right no more lightweights we're still safe for 30 pounders that's that's what we're doing and then yeah we had the we had the fuzzy box the 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 next year, and then we're just like that is a heck of a lot of steel and a lot of material, and where are we storing this thing? So um, we're cutting it yep. there. Yep,
0: that makes a lot of sense. And so um, now with the organization, I mean, let's get back into this first. So you were a robot builder. You are a robot builder. What kind of robots were you building back in the day? How is your, How has that like affected you now? Are you still building robots? So I, I've had
3: a couple of comebacks. I, I would say like air quote comebacks. Uh, so I competed predominantly up until I was like knee deep in college. And then just life changes going in the way there kind of drew me away. I still helped out each year, but it was like, I'm broke. I got no money. Uh, right. <laughs> I'm going to take a few years off and just help out. Um, So I was actively competing probably from like 2002, 2009. Uh, and back then it was a whole bunch of stuff. I tried it. Th- I just threw stuff against a wall and see what stuck. So built wedges. I built really horrible spinners. I mean, I built, I built a shell spinner with a cordless drill and a bull from Kmart with saw blades attached to it. I was just like, I was so budget minded. i just like, oh, let's just try this. I mean, it's, it was so low tech. Um, and it slowly evolved over time. It was pretty much known for being a wedge driver back then. Um, and then uh Kyle Singer, Big Ripto fame, you know, we've been talking back and forth over over time between that period between 2010 and about like 2016 or so. And he's just like, dude, start doing it. Start doing it again. And he like mailed me a care package of parts. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> do something with this. And he gave, he gave, uh, he also put there like a wooden dowel in there for my wife to poke me to do something. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I started getting back into it. I built a simple wedge for fun, but then I started building a, a lifter based off of our wedding robot. Uh, like, we had a robot at our wedding, uh, courtesy of Al Kindle. Uh, <laughs> He it drove up, came up, and gave my best man his to his speech. Uh, so we took the parts from that, and we built a sportsman out of it, and slowly evolved that bot over the course of three or four years, and uh, kind of left that be once we had our first kid. and I'll eventually get back to it again. It's still working. Sure. It's just time and money yep. I want to put into it. So I decided to go with Roombas this year to kind of kickstart things again.
0: Yeah, so. that'll be fun. All right. So then I guess we should talk about Motorama. What is it and how the heck did Nurk get involved with it? That's a very good question that always is asked is like,
3: how'd you guys end up where you are there? Um, so Motorama itself, Motorama Motorsports Expo has been going on since I think 1978. And um, <sighs> It's, so that's had its own character and beast for a while, and I, I can't remember how long they've been at the Farm Show Complex for, uh, but for those who don't um, don't know or are not familiar with the event itself, uh, the Motorsports Expo Motorama takes place at the Pennsylvania Farm Show Complex, which is the state it's in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is the state capital, so it's like – the state fair essentially for
0: for all your farm stuff each year in january and it's a giant mostly indoor facility which is really impressive for like kind of a state's fair sort of facility
3: yeah absolutely so like obviously everybody has their own state fair stuff during the year but like the farm show to me has always been like the state fair uh like you go you see the butter sculpture each year in the in the the expo area you see all the adjudicated stuff like the weird stuff of like, you know, bales of hay and like how good quality it is or like baked items and obviously all the livestock and like the cows and the pigs and everything under the sun. So like every square inch that place is used to the farm show. And then throughout the year, they just have other sorts of conventions and expos in there. Yep. So they've been having this motorsports expo is one of those things each year. Um. So. Back in 2002, we got a, an email from Brad Haastetter, who's the one in charge of the whole Motorsports Expo. And who's very, very much up front saying like, look, we'd love to have robot fighting here at our event. Are you guys interested. And I'm assuming it's because we're with the local guys. I mean, it's in Harrisburg. We're all kind of based out of the Philadelphia area by and large. I mean, Philadelphia, New Jersey, you know, greater Philadelphia area. We'll, we'll air quote that. Uh, so like, we just seem to be the local guys to to try and get involved, and we're like, this seems like a good idea, sure, why not? We you know talked over a contract and you know got all the financials in order there, and they put us in the one arena. and we're like, all right, cool, we have a place to play, and it's just kind of big. Like at the time, I don't think there was many other events. I mean, we still had a lot of events at a larger capacity all across the country. But not the Northeast. So, like, yeah. this was like big
0: at the time. Still is uh, now. One of the things that I find interesting about Moto in its current in like form is you know you have the the big arena where they do the the motorsports, they do the the motocross, they do all of the you know the quad racing. Um, but then, given almost equal weight throughout the event are these RC events. There's like these RC racing with these like drag races. There's uh, RC demolition derby which is one of my favorite things that i didn't even know was a thing until i found this out there um and then also like the the terrain racing with the jeeps where they will like race these like little rc jeeps over these different terrains and show how they can go up and down these bridges and stuff all of these kind of rc competitions that i did not know existed i had no idea Has that been like, were they seeking that out when they sought you guys out? Were they like, oh, since we're adding this RC stuff, we should also have these guys doing combat robotics, which is kind of like, you know, levels above that other stuff in so many ways. Um, Is that what kind of led them to finding you out? You know, there is some crossover there.
3: Yeah, I I think so. And I, I remember correctly, I think the RC car racing had been going on there prior to us being as part of the expo. Um, Because I I used to work for a hobby shop in town here for a couple of years, and I'd be talking, hey, I'm going to Motorama to fight robots, and they're like, oh yeah, we used to race RC cars there and whatnot. So I I believe that's been going on years prior, Um, and I think the demolition derby was fairly recent in the like the past 10 years like i yeah. think that was recent but like the rock crawling had been there for a little bit longer because that was a phase in the rc world i spent time working at the hobby shop i got to race cars for a bit so like getting to see this huge monstrous track at the expo that the uh gas guys so and, and that's that's a, a funny note there too it's just the, how much that's transitioned over time when i when we first went there it was gas trucks and buggies were the thing like everybody raced because brushless motors didn't exist right so it's this big plume of cloud when you walk into watch rc racing there and you're just like i'm taking years off my life just like stepping in here and now it's all brushless trucks
0: and like i don't think they run gas in there anymore they still have a couple of them that are gas that okay. big arena that's dirt that big like dirt track arena yep. that is those are all gas because they actually have pits there, where the cars will like or they'll pull up to like a guy mm-hmm. We'll just grab it fill it real quick stick it back on the rack and and it'll go um that blew my mind like i've never been exposed to that stuff so i think the first time i went to moto i was just as fascinated by that as i was the combat robotics
3: yeah and i think part of it why we may have been you know called the interest on it is we were that's just coming off the tail of season five of battle bots yep so it was just Perfect timing, really. I think they probably saw it on TV and saw we were doing events because they probably looked around and see what was going on and yeah, decided, hey, this sounds cool. Hey, like they're they fight robots here too. Like I think we can make this happen.
0: One of my favorite aspects of that culture at Motorama, and actually one of the competitors or one of the co- competitors who does uh, Silent Stopper is like the perfect example of this. There's so many people at Motorama that don't even know about BattleBots. They just know that combat robotics is something that happens at Motorama every year, and they when they go there to race their motorbikes, they also go watch robots fight each other, and they'll say, oh, by the way, over in this hall over here, there's this crazy thing that happens. And then you'll say, oh, do you guys watch BattleBots? And they'll say, what? They have no idea what you're talking about. They don't have the Discovery Channel. They've never even thought about it. They have no idea that it's a televised event. Um, They have no idea about any of the other competitions. They're like, yeah, this is this weird thing that happens at Motorama every year. We go check it out. (laughs) I had to remind people too, because they'll ask me, oh yeah, I used to watch it on Comedy Central.
3: Like, dude, it's active now. Yeah. Like it's in the real and it's awesome. I mean, you should totally (laughs) check it out. (laughs) You have to blow people's (laughs) minds with that sometimes. So I can totally get it that a lot of people there don't know exists and you just go, Oh, this is cool. This cool little, you know, smashing robot thing that happens.
0: Yeah. And they'll talk about, Oh yeah, we watched this last year. We come and watch this every year. They have no idea that there's like a whole world kind of surrounding it, which I think right. is cool.
3: But yeah. I mean, everybody's in their own worlds for something. So I get it, you know, but yeah, it is, it is neat that now it's part of their tradition of like, yeah, we got to go and do this now and watch it. So that makes me happy because we have other people who have no idea now get to sit in and watch it, which is that that's cool.
0: So now, right, we got, we're in the modern era where, you know, COVID's over, you're back to, back to life. What is your, what is a day in the life? Like, when do you arrive there? When do you get started? And what's your kind of day to day during the events? So for me, like this is now turned into like a five day
3: adventure, uh, partially because we got more family planning to do now with the little one and everything else. But yep. so I'm getting the Harrisburg Thursday. Uh, mm-hmm. in the evening or the afternoon, depending on when I can get stuff loaded in, because prior to leaving, it's the now I gotta rent a van. Uh, I gotta throw in about how many boxes of gear, cables, equipment. So I house all of the streaming gear, um, all of our timing gear, um, and now I've got speakers to add to that too. <laughs> it's just this ever amassing stuff of parts and cabling and and everything else. So it's all. It's all thrown in Thursday head on out, check in the hotel, just get there to relax because Friday morning we start early eight o'clock we're at the farm show complex uh just starting to unload uh some of the early birds like Ed who is a figurehead there at Motorama um he's usually there at seven thirty depending on the timing of things and um now I think I pretty much meet the cable guy there because the internet hook up around eight o'clock so one of us is there in the morning eight to, to unload, and yeah, it just starts slowly evolving during the day. So like, and I think that's the one thing people don't get is we're 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 taking everything in that day. So right. like, Eds brings the the small test box arena in in his trailer. Um, we have Earl, uh, who brings the uh big arena in from his his house out in Jersey on a trailer. In, um, he's usually getting in Thursday or so, and then, that gets wheeled into the to the complex so you could we can at least it's cool to drive into the farm show complex on a friday and get in and weave your way through to get back there to unload your gear um so we're unloading everything and it's it's like it's tough because we need to get going but it's like catch up time with everybody else right so it's this hard balance of socializing and then we gotta unbox everything we gotta get small box up we gotta get Streaming gear up, we got to get audio up, we got to get the clock up, test everything, make sure it works. Safety robots, so we can do a fair weight and antweight competition somewhere between 11 and 12 ish. well air quotes because it's always fluid each year. Um, and then that runs all day. Uh, right last year it ran like till eight o'clock because it was just everybody was using their 20 minutes. Um, so everything stops, you know, we get, we get done for the day. I have to shift all my gear towards the big box because the big box is getting assembled in the background by people throughout the day. Right. Um, and I got to get a lot of that gear prep for the morning because we have a short time span until we got to get started because they want us to start on Saturday by about 10 o'clock in the morning. So that means safeties are still going on in between. Um. So the big box has got to get set so we can start doing some safeties. Uh, so like all this is kind of this rolling fluid motion. Of all right, so the, the small box contest going on, safety everybody else, uh, and then finish up safety Saturday morning to get ready to have a driver's meeting at like 9 45, get started at 10 o'clock, uh, and then that we break out from there and have the main box be the 12 pounders, the 30 pounders, and then the sportsman 30s, and then break out into the Beetle box for their competition out in the pit area that also starts around the same time. And then churn through all that throughout the day till like seven o'clock ish, uh, depending on what's, uh, when the crowd starts to die down. Um, and then call it quits, go recover, come back the next morning, uh, pick up again around nine, depending on fights could be a little bit later if we're good in the brackets and then churn through the day. Uh, and we have to make it, uh, hopefully make it till about four or five, but sometimes it just, Ends a little early because of where we are on the brackets, but try and make it all the way through at about four or five. Tear down the arena that night. Uh, get all thrown up in the trailer and then go have a big dinner afterwards with the whole gang and celebrate that we made it through another year. Share war stories. Go crash pretty hard by about 11 o'clock midnight that night and slowly uh, make our way back. Very groggy the next day home. (laughs) So it's just it's just a whirlwind the whole weekend. Um just because like for me, like I'm I set up the streaming stuff. I have Sean and Naomi two of my friends who help do the back end for the streaming with me. Um I'm announcing. Switch off because I gotta go do something else. So Jim takes over announcing. I switch back with Jim and oh we need to go here. It's like this it's just this revolving door of like we always just kinda fill in where we need to to kind of make things roll for the day we usually have somebody needs to be on box loader duty so it's floating around who's on box loading but me pretty much me and jim are floating through announcing all day um and as just running around (laughs) answering questions like there's there's so many things that are going on in the background uh but by and large you know i'm just kind of floating between those things as we're rotating between people uh just to give everybody breaks like you know what my 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 co my coworkers at the streamers also have a little kid with them too, so we're we're always just kind of partnering out on things so like it's just this fluid fluidness to just kind of make everything work for the whole
0: weekend and then I think this is the last topic I'll get into before uh you know I pass you off to Chris and Lindsay for um listener questions and some other detailed questions but um you also run an event inside of the event with your Beetleweight arena mm-hmm. so that's like a separate entity essentially it's a separate group that runs that how does that work like what is uh who kind of sets that up and how do you coordinate with them because you know you're it's a lot of the same people running the 12s and the 30s that are also running three so you've got to have some kind of coordination as far as like pit control and whatnot goes there so how does that work
3: yeah and that's kind of the control chaos that we've kind of had to learn with uh so for the longest time the three pound beetle weights we were running in the sixteen foot box, which Ooh. now it just seems insane because yeah. two things: one, for a crowd perspective, that is tough to watch from the seats and watch three pound bots in the big arena hit because they'll so hit each for other. context,
0: the bleachers, yeah, the bleachers for everybody when you're looking at the box, you know, you're a lot of the competitions you go to, you're right up against the box, but at Moto, there's bleachers on either side and there's a little like standing area in front. The closest you're getting to the box is what, like fifteen feet away?
3: Oh, that's that's a conservative
0: fifteen feet. Yeah. Yeah. And that's if you're like right in the front row in that standing area. If you're up in the bleachers, you're 30, 40 feet away, easy. Um, and you're trying to look down in this box. So a 30 pound robot looks decent size. A twelve pound robot, you can see what's going on. You know who's who and what they're doing. Yeah, a three that would just look like like mice or something <laughs> fighting in there. Yeah, yeah. So like I it,
3: it's one of those things of we we, it was kind of both things that kind of occurred. So like we had, we were getting enough bots over time that we were like just scrambling to get through the two days between three pounders, 12 pounders, 30s and sportsmen. Uh So we were at capacity with that because they were, we've had some very heavy years where, you know. We had to say, look, uh, nobody's getting posthumous today because we don't got time. Um, yeah. Or the double we run double elimination for everything, and the finals became single elimination because we we need to shave time off. So, you know, about tw- I think it was like what 2017, 2018 was the time we were like, all right, we need to do something about this. And I don't know how it all came about. I was involved in the conversations with it. But we we were in talks with um uh the Bonex up uh, that were at the time uh the the son was at Pennsylvania College of Technology up in Williamsport and they were hosting uh sword uh events which was you know one pound three pound events so they had their own arena and we worked out this partnership with them and you know we got them to bring down this eight foot box each year and say hey we'll give you a corner of the pit. The pits in the back there to set up and we're going to shove all the beetles in there and from a timing perspective it saved us a lot of time with all right now we can really just spread out and we can generously get through all of our fights for the weekend um but now that runs like you're talking into saying of well all right so i got a bot i got a beetle in the three pound box and i got a 30 in the big main box uh help. <laughs> so uh the few times that we do run into that, we just kinda of treat that as an ad hoc case. And um so it, to to pause that and to help fill that in a little bit further, um we have uh Chuck Butler who has been a long mainstay in the Roblox community on Team Gruff. Um he is the one spearheading the beadaway competition. Um so he's always had his own system. Uh we just kind of feed the the list of robot entries to him. We maintain the registration, everything else. We just say, "Here's the list of bots. Make your bracket, have fun." Um and so he'll come to us and say, "Hey, we got a conflict going on here." And then yeah. we'll work something out with either that fight gets postponed or this fight gets postponed without taking their one and we just shift it in the schedule because it's not hard to at least it, during, like, a Saturday, for sure, like, we have enough in the queue that we can always just move that down without hampering the brackets too much. Um, But, yeah, we it's, we just treat it as a case-by-case basis because, yeah, it has happened. And I know Jameson famously has had that issue with uh, yeah. his beetle weight and then running his 12-pounder or his 30-pounder in the box and, like, I can't be in two places at once. So, um, we've just kind of treated ad hoc at this point because it doesn't happen too often, but we do run into that issue, like you said, and it's a good point to bring up because they're both running independently at the same time, like we yep. we're loosely communicating <laughs> um but yeah, by and large that's that that's their own little separate separate world that we've uh just handed off to just alleviate the pressure a bit. I wonder if they strategize to get, like, that spot, too, if they really like it, you know? I always kind of wonder, because, like, I'm never back there because I'm always having to be up at the main box, but I always do wonder about that. And I wish we can do something better back there for the viewing experience, because, like you said, it just crowds over quick, kind of like what we're used to at most events. But you have... So where where the where the, bo- where the box is is right at a, a, a tra- high traffic area. So you walk by the beetle box and you go into the small arena where we're fighting the main bots. So it's, it's a footpath to get through the, the pits where the motocross people are out to where they race out into the large arena. Uh, so yeah, it's a high volume area. So the noise brings people in, but it's tough. We, we, we have TVs up on top of the arena, but that can only do so much. So it's it's this tough little like balance that we're trying to make happen each year because we want as many people in but at the same time it's just like we we're limited a little bit with our real estate.
2: Well, we uh we lost Kyle, so I think this is actually a perfect time <laughs> to jump into our first listener questions. So John, I have two questions here. Let's zoom out a little bit. Uh these these questions are from uh Thomas. Uh, from a free, the Freestyle Foreman of Discord and Brandon Bennett Young of Bone Dead Robotics. Uh, they have a question about uh, Motorama in general. Uh, Thomas writes, I've never been to Moto before, but I'm going for the first time this year. What are some of the hidden gems I should be sure to check out while I'm there on Saturday and Sunday? And Brandon asks, uh, what's one of the coolest things that you've seen at Motorama at large? Uh, assuming that you've found time to step away from the mic.
3: Yeah, I, those are really good questions. Um, and I think we've kind of touched on a few of the not so hidden gems uh, being some of the food and some of the RC stuff. Because I, I mean, being an RC nerd, like I would totally gravitate towards the demolition derby and the rock crawling stuff. because it's, And it's also less populated, too. Um, and I also will say I haven't found a whole lot of time away from the mic or the table probably over the last 10 years. Uh so it's been a bit. Um, but I do remember early on when I was in competitor mode, um, we found time to go out to the, the vendor area, which is on the other side of the pits. Like if you walk through and go to the small ring and go to the other side of that out into this large wide open space. There's a couple of food vendors there attached to the walls and whatnot, and they have quite a bit going on. But there's a lot of just, like, commercial vendors out there for stuff. And it could be, like, parts dealers for bikes. There's, there's a whole gamut of stuff. But we found, like, the one year we found some really cool stickers. Like, I'm a big Simpsons fan, and we saw these Krusty uh, Brand seal Approval stickers. Totally bought, like, 20 of them and just slapped one on each of my robots. Um, it, it's, like, the small things like that that sometimes you might get lucky and find something cool out there. I mean, yes, by and large it probably won't be marketable for us, but it's just nice to walk out there and kind of see what's going on. Um I, I I don't you know, it's 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 busy out there, but I still think it's less traffic than the other areas because it's really not the attraction spot, you know, it's on the other end from all the other attractions. Um but yeah, I would say it's another hidden check checkout. And then also in between where the small arena is and then like that expo area that where the vendors are by the hot pocket vendor. <laughs> there is this little small corridor in there. It's just a bunch of it's just a bunch of seats against the wall and it's just a small narrow area. It may seem not like much, but it's a great place to just sit down, be away from the noise and sit. Like if you just want to go eat or if you just want to take five minutes and decompress, it's a nice little spot to go. And it's kind of tucked away in between everything else. I mean, a lot of people sit out there, but it's not, it's not like crowded ever out there. So um, if you're there as a competitor, I would say that's a nice hidden gem. Uh, But I would say for somebody who's going and spectating in general. uh, Yeah. I would say the RC stuff for sure. Like the smaller RC stuff, like the niche, cool things, because there's a lot of work that goes into that. Um, Like, the the, the the demolition derby, for sure, you know, that's kind of like more of our bread and butter. Like, okay, slap a big motor in. You know, it, it's, it's a lot of duct tape and, and hot glue. But the rock crawling, you got to get really sophisticated with that. And uh, I think it takes a lot of skill to, to, to do something like that. So I would agree. Like, that's, that's really nice. I'd say it's a really nice hidden gem besides uh, some of the food we talked about. And then coolest things at Motorama yeah besides the rcs um I, I haven't spent a whole lot of time out like i got to see the motorbikes once <laughs> out of like <my> 20 years <laughs> that i've been going there so like I, I can't be a good judge of character on that i did get to see the tuner wars area i think twice um and there was some really cool stuff out there some some years there's some really neat classic cars or just cool concept cars outside of the, you know, tricked up, you know, low riding car. That's just typical. Um, so I would check out those. I would check out that, too, um, just because I mean, it's a it's a populated area, but I still think every now and then you find some really neat things in there.
2: Hmm. All right. Uh, diving back into combat robotics, I have a couple of really great questions here about, uh, you know, what it takes to put on an event from uh, someone who is kind of looking to explore that area themselves. This is from uh, Daniel uh, from Discord, who writes, Hi, John. Any words of advice you could give to someone who's looking to run their own event?
3: Sure. Um, a couple things. We can get a little long-winded with this, but um, number one, it's going to take time. Uh, it's going to take money. And don't expect to recoup time or money out of it uh in it like i would do it because you want to help people and you want to make it a spot for people to go uh that's that's really the main draw with it and then also um if you're looking to run your own event on that note yeah find your vibe uh and work with everybody else that's in your area that's also putting on events too partner with them i i love that you know i used to do a lot more of that Traveling to the small bot events when I was younger, and it was nice. It's a communal vibe. You got to see everybody else, but everybody had their own little different take on it, or you know, it's just a different vibe at each place. So make it your own. That 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 i say for sure. Um, and then just general things of you know, make sure you're keeping safety at the foremost forefront of your event. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes for everything, like from the arena to people working in the pits. Um. Safety is number one. Uh, You don't want any liability on yourself on it. So uh, something to definitely keep in mind with it. But start small. Start, just start very tight cord and then work on expanding if it all works for you. Um, We can never have enough ant weight and beetle weight events. So I I would say the more the merrier. Um, But yeah, man, find your tribe. that's That's the number one thing for sure. And there's always something new that we can try and go and do like we used to run (laughs) we used to run house of nerd which was one of the coolest things that i wish we'd still do uh it started out in a small conference room in a hotel very close quarters um and then we went to fire halls and then we just kind of it was just still we just found like a different spot each year to travel to uh and kept it very small vibes uh but i love that it was just Find find somewhere unique that you can do it. Uh, and I've seen that a little bit now these days too. is a couple of small bots events where you're starting to see like at a restaurant or like different unique avenues with it. So I'd say get creative with your local uh, your local town. See if anybody wants to partner with you that could do it. I remember the probably the most unique case was uh, Jeremy Campbell uh, who used to be involved a lot more in the robotics. Uh, he used to host up events up in Bloomsburg and he worked for Raymore and Flanagan, which is a furniture company. He hosted a unique event, having robot combat in the, I guess it was like the loading area in the back at the furniture shop, but you know, also got the advertised furniture. Everybody got to sit in cozy furniture. Like
2: it was just (laughs) the
3: most unique thing ever. And I thought that was the coolest because It doesn't sound good on paper, but man, it sounded fun at least to go and go and be at to do. So, yeah, be unique, be yourself with it. And um, yeah, just start small. Don't expect a whole lot out front. Just just be you.
2: So my next question here is from Ryan, who's uh, on the NHRL pit crew. Uh, And Ryan writes, hi, John, uh, with your time in the sport, what is one of the most profound changes that you've seen happen?
3: This one, this could get heady. (laughs) Um, so I'm probably gonna look at this more from a philosophical standpoint than a technological standpoint. There's been many technological changes over 20, 25 years, and some have been really awesome to see. Uh, like the one thing I would say, and that would be the barrier to entry has changed dramatically, uh access to CAD, access to machining, access to a whole bunch of things that, you know, we didn't, we were like stealing serial codes for SOLIDWORKS back in the day. Like it's it's changed so much from that. But um, I would say if there's one profound change I have seen, I'd say it's the second coming of BattleBots. And here's why. We've had big years at Motorama, We've had lean years at Motorama. The time that season one kicked off at BattleBots on ABC, we saw a massive influx of people. And I think it reached a whole new audience. And I I, I think because we finally have reached a time where we're reaching into STEM more, and we're reaching into a broader audience with uh, the, the choice of network and the choice of production. That has had the greatest impact, I think, on the community at large. Our numbers were so good when that started coming back. And it brought so many new people in. And it was such a welcoming sight to see. Because the years before that, it was the same people over and over again. We didn't have a whole lot of turnover. And, that, and I love seeing everybody i'm friends with everybody who comes each year uh i love it but i say like we we started seeing new numbers in droves when we saw the battle bots come back on the tv and presented in such a wonderful way uh so i think that's probably the biggest change um and i would say the other part on top of that is just the modern technology uh with the connectivity that we have now um things are happening so much faster now than it used to evolution is just so quick and um it's made for some awesome fights over the last 5 6 years uh so i would i kind of parlay the two together because we just it's like the second like revolution of of combat robotics and uh, i think that's the biggest change we have seen overall in the hobby and the sport whatever you want to call it um I would say, like to me, that means the most uh, because there are so many people interested now, and there's so many avenues to get into for it with people Mm -hmm. getting involved. Um,
2: We didn't have a lot of that. So this this actually kind of sparks an interesting topic uh, in in my head, and it has a lot to do with I want to call them like you know the personas of the the different parts of the community that makes up. The whole combat robotics collective, and you, you mentioned that in the recent, most recent years, that um, accessibility of the sport has changed so much. With everything from the affordability of three D printers to being able to send off a parts lift to list to send cut send, and you know, seventy two hours later, they're like at your door. This is this is interesting because like teams that are well-funded, or have, uh, let's say, greater accessibility to 3D printers or new technology, I feel like that wing of the combat robotics community has grown faster, Uh, while they also kind of cross-pollinate with everyone else. It's grown faster than what I kind of had always like kind of seen myself as part of, which was more of like that pennsylvanian or midwestern kind of builder that has more of a trades background has more of a practical engineering background but like you haven't seen the growth and explosion necessarily coming out of those areas unless you're looking at like a you know like a team hydra the technology there or you know a a couple of bots here and there do you think that like like motoramas is a great vehicle to try to get some some more of these people that have maybe a more traditional trades or engineering background a welding background like into the sport and like what can you do to like help bolster the numbers of those people in the community because i feel like having those types of uh, of skill sets available and accessible as like a teammate would be absolutely critical in the um uh the ebbs and flow of of a of a, of a, a weekend competition a a 20-hour competition where something breaks, you can't call up send, cut, send. You can't print something fast enough. Like, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that.
3: Yeah, no, I I would agree 110% with that. And, it, you know, Pennsylvania does have its hotbeds of skilled tradesmen. I announced up at a Bots IQ event up in Meadville, which is like Northwest PA area. And it is it's the home of Channel Lock. There's like, 20 plus machine shops in the area and you have all these skilled people out there and they're churning out nice looking bots those are the people you want to have on hand i mean when i was getting involved and in starting out with it we we people went to some crazy lengths i remember a drill press in a hotel room the one year cuz like you said it's a 20 you have a 20 hour turnaround and like some guys are like they're just making parts in the hotel room definitely ticking off hotel staff uh um but like yeah if you 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 if you need a like something welded somebody you know you you're hoping that somebody brought a welder to motorama and because you know we kind of have a welding area we, we don't really it's like a quasi legit welding area but we would go to like the one guy we knew who could use a welder and go and zap the part for us but like those things are invaluable like i'm so glad i have like it's a sheet metal mig welder but man oh man like to to learn that helped me so much to try and construct some bots on the cheap that were you know they weren't crazy good but like they were rock solid because i learned how to weld um and i think those people are invaluable because yeah over a 20-hour event where we don't have the luxuries of you know like at battlebots where you have all the tools at your disposal you gotta be able to adapt on the fly and there's so many there's only so many spare parts you can bring. So, yeah, bring a welder with you. I've seen people be creative at least to try and, you know, bring more parts or tools with them. But I think getting those people involved is tough. Like the high school kids, it's like in the middle of their curriculum that are doing bots IQ, because their competitions are in April. They don't want to completely get the robot trashed in time for their April event. But because we, we tried we, we tried hosting a 15 pound weight class a couple years we got okay numbers with it but it wasn't it wasn't the greatest um but i i do feel that we could benefit more from trying to advertise and that the tough part is for limited structure of people that are already kind of stretched thin as it is um but it'd be great like maybe i can work on my contacts on the ntma and see what we can do to try and serve up a couple people to come in because i know a few welders um i know a few machinists and i know some of them get curious about those things and some are like you know what i'll just make the parts and see what you break and we'll try and make it new again uh but i think those people would be greatly served to come in and just see it work with it because it's something that can help them out in their trade too so yeah it's a very good question to bring up and yeah i i I can't give you a hundred percent of a good answer but yeah it'd be awesome to to see more of those guys involved because it is there is a lot of that in pennsylvania that i think Mm -hmm. is under underutilized or untapped untapped as it were
2: and they could tap it for you
3: yeah, literally. <laughs> what, you want 1024, 1032?
2: <laughs> uh, so this is an interesting question. So this is from Kokoda Mane from Team Get Rec Robotics. And uh, feel free to answer if, you, uh, if you're if you comfortable, but what kind of impact would you say that NERC and or Motorama has had on NHRL? And what impact has NHRL had on uh, NERC and Motorama?
3: I'll gladly answer that one. Um, there's, I would say like NHRL and Nurk are like the yin and the yang. We are polar opposites, but we kind of need each other. Um, I would say what we've given that has had an impact on NHRL is the fact that, man, you can have, you can totally spotlight the small bots. Uh, and there's an avenue for it, like to really highlight caliber 12 pounders, 30 pounders, the whole nine yards. We can only do so much from our end uh, to help spotlight that Uh, given our limited resources and time. So it's nice to see that it can be done in like a big production and a big way. Um, And I would say from NHRL to us, I've seen it from people coming in. It's, the, the quality of bots that we get at Motorama now are insanely better uh, just because you can play on a monthly, av- a monthly time frame and compete sooner and evolve sooner and fix things more. Um, I got a little taste of that when the Robot Club and Grill existed because I drove out every month, four hours to Pittsburgh, and I got to fight my, my small bots there and learn so much in that small period of time, and evolve my bots quicker that way. Uh, So I think that's one thing I'm glad to see happen. Uh, It makes all the fights better overall. Um, Because before NHRL, there'd be some years where we'd have, you know, two dangerous spinners, and one would break within the first fight, and we had a lot of boring, pushy bot fights the rest of the event. Uh, it depends on the year and the reliability for a lot of those spinners was not so good. Uh, so I would say there's definitely a big impact there. Um, I noticed that it, it's kind of what sparked us to do web streaming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like our game, our game had to be up a little bit for sure. Um, we can only up our game so much, like I said, once given our our finances and resources. But it's definitely pushed me to try and deliver a good web stream to you guys out there uh, just to give you something. Uh, so divest the time and money into get cameras up, work on graphics, learn some coding. I mean, I I've been on a crash course on some programming in the last couple of years because of all of it. Um, so I'd say it's been a good impact there. Um, Yeah. I, I, I think sometimes the people coming from who have never been to a NERC event. Are kind of taken back by how unstructured and how low-key and kind of loose we are about things but once they settle in i think they get it and uh i think it's a fine happy balance like you said it's that yin and yang i i I think we both need each other
2: (laughs) i i'm i'm so fascinated by you know the uh, the clout and the mystique that uh, the combat robotics experience at Moto is like because it's one of those things. You know, we have we have events throughout the year at NHRL uh, over in Norwalk, but like for months and months, you keep hearing people up in the pits on Discord, like, "Are you going to Moto? How many bots are you bringing to Moto? Did you get? Are, did you get registered for Moto? Like, what are you bringing? Like, it's just like what people are talking about it and talking about it and talking about it, but it's like you know, it, it, it carries a weight with people almost like, um, I don't know. It's like, do you remember, did you ever do like land parties like back in high <laughs> school and stuff where like you and your friends would connect like computers together to play Quake or X, or yeah. Xbox? like, it was like, like this thing that you just couldn't wait for. Right. But you, you were just going to like hang out with your friends and probably eat way too many, uh, cheesesteak stuffed pretzels. Uh, and it was just like there was something magic about it, and and Motorama has that, and that is so cool that and, that you guys keep this ball rolling, and it gives something like you know for these people to like really look forward to all year. They can go and compete out in the West Coast, they can go compete in in Norwalk or go to another regional event somewhere, but it's like this is like this one thing that kind of pulls everyone together. Uh, what's it like being the steward of something like that? It's it's like a it's like a
3: weird like high school reunion each year, but like it's not awkward. It, it's like it, it's the one time a year, like for me at least, it's the one time a year I get to see everybody in person that I see online. Um, and it was a lot of that back in the day for me, but more so now I kind of feel it, embrace it more. But it's just where our personality is just we like me and Ed are just you know we're just trying to make each other laugh and rib each other each all the weekend. Uh, We're just cracking jokes the whole time. Uh, Getting to catch up with old people that, you know, we've seen come and go. It just feels awesome that people embrace that. And just, it it is, it's a communal thing. Like we're, (laughs) it's so homegrown and, you know, people get to know each other each year now and it's just kind of like, Oh yeah, I remember you. Hey, how you doing? And like, it's weird. Cause like, you can't really like contextually describe that like easily, but it's just that aesthetic of like, I get to see the people I know yeah. and it's such a cozy atmosphere. It's so relaxed. It's not high, strong. We're not, we're not, we're not, there's like little pressure other than, you know, I gotta get the top on, uh, you know, for your robot to the box, but it feels awesome that people are embracing that. It, like you, like I referred to earlier, it sometimes it takes people a year to calibrate to that and understand that. Like that's so cool, man. Like I, I love fighting robots, and I get a little competitive when I'm in it too. But like when I'm not, let's just let's just have fun. Uh, that's what we used to do. You know, when we were starting this in the first place, was go. I mean, go to the. You know restaurant afterwards have beer socialize uh we go hang out when like our friends hotel like we're all in the same hotel and we all got to gather in one hotel room and just you know have fun and it's great to see that people look forward to that each year yeah. um when when I stand up on the chair cuz am usually the one getting told to do the rules and everything at the beginning of the event to see the sea of people that we have there is awesome each year. And I'm so happy that we can continue to do that each year. And like Moto's not going away anytime soon. We're not going away anytime soon. Um, So it's just awesome that people look forward to that each year. It's just, I think it's probably, it has to be one of the more low stress events of the year. If you ask me, like for a big event, it's so low stress. Uh, other than, you know, the normal stresses that you have of fighting combat robots where you got to get stuff prepared in time. Uh, but when you have the time to just take five minutes and kick back, you can just go socialize. There's so much I see it so much in the pits when I'm walking back and forth either to, you know, my wife and Beth are running the brackets or, you know, running to the bathroom and just, you know, walking and observing as I'm going by. But everybody's just sitting socializing. Like, yes, plenty of people are watching fights, but there's so much, like, camaraderie between people in the pits in the back. And I think that's, it's just awesome to see that, you know, we're trying to carry that same vibe between the people who run it. We don't take ourselves seriously at all. So, um, if you're seeing us take ourselves seriously, there's something very wrong. Uh, So, I hope that can translate to everybody else out there, just we're just, we just want to have fun. This is vacation for half of us who are running this event. So, like, right. we're going to make it fun no matter what.
2: Well, maybe in that, uh, in that light, you can actually help out uh, one of our, our listeners out there, John. So, uh, let me see if I can find it here. Okay, yes. I have a question here from Cole uh, from Titan. And Cole says, I've talked to my parents about attending Motorama, and they've said no. So, what would you say is the reason that Motorama is worth the trip and worth coming to, just so I can play the episode to my parents to convince them to let me come next year?
3: So, I will preface it by being the bad cop first, and then I'll be the good cop later here. So, I can understand why they say no, especially if it's a financial commitment for the weekend, because it can be. Registration's not cheap. Uh, we have little control over it. Uh, hotels aren't cheap. Travel is not cheap. Food isn't cheap. Um, it's a sacrifice you have to make. Um, but on that regard, it is worth it for sure to come and do it. Um, and I understand, you know, now being on the older side of things and understanding that perspective. When I was younger, I try to be a little bit more creative about it. I started road tripping after I turned 18 and got my car. Uh, I understand that maybe this person is not, you know, of that point yet. And until then, I would say, if you haven't met half the people, or if this is your opportunity to meet a lot of the builders that you haven't met yet, this is the place to do it. Uh, I was, like we talked about earlier, being in the stands, getting the socialized with some of the the builders who've you know been on t v had the bigger exposure, I think it's worth it alone just to have that experience of getting to talk to everybody uh it is so it, it is so like you said that local show vibe of being close to the action and uh, it's tough to it's tough when you're looking at it from afar and saying, "Well we gotta go to Harrisburg for, why want to go to Harrisburg?" No. No, like, come on, like this, this. This is this is this is huge, man. I gotta take time off of work. I, I I can promise to the parents that Cole will probably have a grin on his face that you can't wipe away for two weeks, uh, maybe even more. Uh, but I'm sure you're probably gonna make a year on it. Um, I understand if you go to Norwalk to, to to Norwalk and you get to go to those events there. But I still say like you'll walk away having some memories of the event that you'll always cherish on. um i I'd say it's worth it for that each year. Um, I understand it's tough. like <laughs> I, I I get both parts of that, so it's, it's tough. like it kills me to see like, ah, oh, man, it things you can't go, but like it's worth it to to go and do it. and try it one year. I would say to the parents, try it one year. Please give him one year, give it a shot and let him have fun with it. Uh, And then he can go from there uh, because I'm sure it'll be a motivating factor.
4: And I know Cole, like he is going to tons and tons of NHRL events and his parents are probably thinking, but we already go to NHRL, (laughs) but it was so unique of an experience and so different in so many ways that like I mean I would not say if you've been to one then you don't need to go to the other like you very much need to be able to experience both both styles because they are so unique and special and different from each other but also so incredible in their own ways so like you know if you're Cole's parents, and you're out there listening. First of all, thanks for doing everything you do to support and nurture Cole's, you know, interests. You are awesome, and uh, you know, next year, everyone come out enjoy an Amish hot pocket and uh, watch some crazy robots at Moto. Peace can I'll... be made
3: over Amish hot
2: pockets
4: <laughs> <laughs> and
2: next. Um, but I, I'll also say, and you know, I, I shared this uh, originally with. Uh, with Kyle singer when um, you know, he had uh, kind of floated out there that uh, they were looking for some co-sponsors for some, uh, some prizes and giveaways for, for motorama we at behind the bots uh, are especially thankful to the, the hard work and uh, the effort that you put in at moto, because in a way our podcast was born out of that first experience going to moto yeah we we went there as uh newfound combat robotics enthusiasts like myself uh you know being obsessed with battle bots back in the day and and you know the the re-emergence of that you know back when it uh was launched on on abc uh you know we had to go see these local events we had to go see this kind of stuff up close and it was one of the places that was accessible to us because you know norwalk was you know just opened up 50 day and had 12 people in a room that wasn't something that you could easily stumble across and you know we found moto and we were there uh, amongst some of the people that build the bots that we were obsessed with uh on television and it it made the sport more ex- it seemed more accept- accessible to us and it made the builders uh, more accessible to us, but it was actually going down that line of the builders and asking them questions about why they did something a certain way. What, what do they do for a living? What's their favorite Amish hot pocket? <laughs> we realized that these people are all fascinating yeah. in their own way and they're all unique. Wouldn't it be so cool if we could conduct interviews with folks like this and understand like where their design ethos comes from, like what, how they solve problems, you know, what what makes them tick, and that is how behind the bots was born. So thank you all over there because it has given us this opportunity to have an incredible five year uh, run now, and you know I'm I'm couldn't be happier to like help also uh you know sponsor a, a giveaway hopefully someone uh can uh buy me a, 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 a again a, maybe a, a cheesesteak hot pocket pretzel hot pocket <laughs> with those winnings i'm just floating that out there anybody <laughs> but thank you thank you thank you
3: oh no it, those are very kind words and i and for me you know it's great hearing that it really is cuz sometimes i'm so knee deep into what we do like i don't know what's going on out there sometimes and it's wonderful to hear that it it really is cuz i there's so many memories that are born out of going to some of these combat events that you know you never know what really sparks something for you and i'm glad that that experience gave you guys the the idea the motion to to carry on the show uh cuz it is great like those are the times i got to pick people's brains too like you said like ask those questions because I was always intrigued by people's designs and going, holy crap, mm-hmm. I don't know if I could do that, but I'll try. <laughs> um, but you got to see what made people tick. And that that helps me understand everybody a lot more each year. And it's really awesome to see that. Like, So I'm happy to see you guys supporting us with that because we, we, that, make, that makes us over the moon. Dude, I will buy you a hot pocket personally this weekend. You gotta, I gotta get you a Dairyman milkshake too, because that's the other hidden gem for food in that venue. Because I'm a, you know, I go for the farm show, man. I'm used yeah. to those milkshakes.
2: <laughs> if I have both of those, you're gonna have to show me that quiet corridor that you were <laughs> <Yeah>. talking. <laughs> it won't be so quiet, right? Uh,
0: all right, all right. Can oh, you guys all right, hear we'll me? you take us out? All right, good. Okay, so mm-hmm. question for you, John. Just looking at this year, you've looked at the bots that are coming. What is intriguing you? What do you see on that list that makes you go, I can't wait to see that? What on that list is like, I don't know how they're going to pull that off. What are you looking forward to for this event?
3: <laughs> well, I saw Charles post his bot the other day on online, and I'm going... <laughs> well that's gonna be expensive
1: <laughs> um
3: I, I am looking forward to seeing Zach O'Donnell get back in with this shell spinner I forget what name he's going under this year probably high polarized. but for me that is a fanboy experience for me because he's like to me that yeah. bot is Motorama in a nutshell one of the mainstays and has always provided great fights and coming back into it. I'm curious to see where it'll stand against the new crop of thirties that have been out there. Um, that's one that definitely sticks out my mind for sure. Um, and to be honest, I haven't gotten to dive through a whole lot of the extra bots. Um, but by the time I'm about five, 10 fights in, To the event i'm usually gauging okay i'm waiting to see this matchup i'm waiting to see where these guys go and i kind (laughs) of like going in blind a little bit too um for me i love the story evolving over two days i'd say like pulling into when i announce on things is i'm watching those fights and seeing what happened and transpired and recalling those back in um so I would say I will give you a better answer about about that and about 20 fights into the day on Saturday, to be honest. Um, but I, I will say I am looking forward to uh, a lot of the bots that are coming out there and especially ones who are newbies coming in. Um, I think that's going to be my biggest thing is I'm always happy to see what a new bot brings to the table in compared to the mainstays that have been there.
4: Yeah. That makes sense being like, so I'm sure your, your mind right now is in complete planning mode unless like, let me take a look at the registrants and analyze the robots.
3: <laughs> oh yeah. No, I, I, it's been nothing but code and uh, building Roombas <laughs> and ordering parts for cables and cameras uh because that started in december wow and a lot of that started in december for me because it's my my day job is pretty intense so like i don't get a whole lot of downtime in between things uh i have a son that requires a lot of energy at night <laughs> he's two and a half <laughs> so he he runs me into the ground pretty good so it's like I get I get an hour here or an hour there or a weekend. I get about two hours during a nap time. I'm strategically trying to get my my eyeballs yeah. in. So like if people post stuff on like the Facebook groups or in the Discord channels, I do try and keep tabs a little bit. So like sometimes it's just like putting a face to a name. I'll see it on there and then I go see it in person. Oh, I remember them posting, but oh, I'm looking I'm looking forward to that fight. It's like the first time I see it in the box is the time i usually get pretty excited about it um so yeah it's my head's a blur right now <laughs> because i'm in five different places right now i've like i have a 3d printer going in the back printing out camera frames for extra GoPro spot. <laughs> uh i'm hoping the snowstorm tomorrow doesn't delay my speaker stands getting here uh <laughs> like there's so many things i'm running through my head now like i know when we get done off of here i'll probably be spending another hour, hour and a half, uh just finishing up like I, I have a web page for the NERC site I'm building just to give everybody a one stop shop for brackets and for the web stream links. Uh I'm finishing up my graphics and putting them to my, my GitHub. Uh like all the stuff I do, I try and make it public yeah.
0: accessible. So it's just Well, John, we thank you for that because as nerds who love following along with this sport, you make that so much easier for us and we really appreciate it. Uh, we're going to let you get back to all of the preparation that needs to happen in this uh, literal one-man show you're putting together <laughs> for the production side of <laughs> Motorama um, and Robot Conflict. But thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you answering our questions and taking the time. And uh, we can't wait to see you there, man.
3: Absolutely. I'm looking forward to see you guys this weekend. And honestly, really appreciate the time. It was, it was great. This was fun.
0: Awesome, I had a blast. Brother. We'll talk to you soon. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Time now for Robots Around the World. This week, we'll be traveling to the International Space Station, which was home to the world's first successful test of robot surgery. On Saturday, a team of doctors in Nebraska piloted a tiny pair of floating robotic hands, which were capable of grasping a rubber band and cutting through it. It's still unclear if this was Galaxy's first successful test of robot surgery, because we still don't know if humans are alone in the universe. Eh, Fair. So, uh, did you get a a picture of these rubber hands... Tiny floating robotic rubber hands cutting rubber bands. What do they look like? I'm imagining. I
1: think they were metal hands cutting rubber bands. uh, Oh, got it.
0: I'm imagining like floating white gloves. You know, Um, like from Super Smash Brothers Melee.
1: Right, right. Um, (laughs) You know, it's it's funny. It's like I know that robot surgery is like a big deal. Yeah, and like the concept behind robot surgery is like kind of dystopian when you think about it you know because you're like what is the biggest pain point that we have for patients it's that surgeons have to drive to you Mm -hmm. so let's instead hook them up to like a super high bandwidth like you know internet connection and they can just operate on you from anywhere in the world And apparently also from anywhere in the world and broadcast the uh, signals up into space, you know? Uh, Yeah. My, my, my whole thing is like, what if you lose connection? You know, like, like, uh, you know, your wifi is not so good. (laughs) 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 Like it might be
0: in space.
1: Yeah. 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 You know, the whole like space surgery thing. It's like very, it's, it's intense, you know, like, You've, you've got blood, like, uh, probably it's just floating everywhere. You've got your your scalpels and all of your little tools. And you've got these teeny tiny little hands that are being piloted by somebody who has, like, a Wi-Fi connection in Omaha. You know, like, it's... Uh...
0: All right, I'm looking at the hand now. It does have rubber, uh, like, like coating around the fingers. Okay, there good. Are, good. There are metal tips that come out the front of the fingers. Um, yeah well they're they're like uh they're cutting edges it looks like cutting surfaces okay. um and it looks like the arm's able to like uh actuate like move back and forth and yeah. um that makes sense i i don't know i wouldn't want to get operated on by this but it looks like a cup cuts uh rubber bands under tension very well
1: they're they're operating on people on earth right now like that's how I know I'm old. Like, when they introduce me to the robot and they're like, hey, listen, we're going to put you under. And uh, this doctor who is a digital <laughs> nomad, I guess, enjoying his vacation in Bali, he's going to operate on you over the Internet. Uh, that's going to be a hard pass for me, Kyle. OK.
0: Yeah, I don't know how many my ties are allowed before that surgery <laughs> happens either. You know, that's not a good idea. Wild. Um, it's kind of creepy. It's kind of cool. I, I don't know. I mean, it does offer more opportunities to possibly help people. Would yeah. you rather they just not give the surgeries, you know?
1: No, no, no. This is more opportunities for, you know, our capitalist system to extract, you know, value out of the uh, specialized class of doctors. You know, we don't have to train any more of them. We could just uh, give give little robots to hospitals. I don't know. It's
0: the what's gonna be really scary is when we get the self-driving um robot surgeon and then somebody just comes along and puts a cone on it and then it can't finish the surgery anymore.
1: Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. I want the generative AI surgeon who just uh just uh you know takes creative liberties. That's that's perfect. Oh
0: like uh like one of those AI girlfriends only it's your AI sur- surgeon?
1: yeah exactly oh yeah Yeah. exactly that's right (laughs) that's right
0: it'll make you feel better anyway before they cut into you
1: it's fine everything's fine nothing nothing is amiss everything is great this is wonderful this is great um all right uh well that's about it for us today we'll be back in your feed at some point i don't know it's been two months since our last episode and we're we keep vowing that we're going to do this more often so at some point, we're going to be back. Um, if you are around in Pennsylvania this weekend, um, honestly, come by and say hi. And um, we will catch you in the feed next time. See ya. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. First weekend of May, come to NHRL. We got an event there, too. It's going to be awesome.
1: Wait, March. March. Oh, sorry, March. March.
0: Ooh. The other month. But yes, come hey, yeah. in March. See the in thing. March
1: and then, like, the last weekend of March. <clears throat> um, we're, we're doing two, two events at NHRL in March. So, Yeah, come and see us there too. All right, see ya.